Welcome, welcome, welcome to Armchair Expert. I'm Dax Randall Shepard, and I'm joined by Monica Lily Padman. Hi there. How are you doing? I'm doing good. It's still my birthday. It's, well, <laughs> now it's getting really confusing. <laughs> it's my it's birthday. Your birthday week. It's my birthday today, and it was my birthday month six days ago. Yeah, but it's still your birthday. <laughs> now listen, Brie Larson. We love her. Oh, wow. This was really fun. Oh, my gosh. I just, I loved her as a, for lack of a better word, a Mae Whitman type mm. over the years. Like, yeah. Spunky, creative, artistic, fun. She would pop up in all these great movies. And then I saw her in Room, which, of course, she won the Academy Award for. She's incredible. And, of course, she's Captain Marvel. She's the first to have her own Marvel movie as a female. And it made a billion dollars. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, it's very impressive. And um, also, as you'll learn, she's become a gym rat, which is really fun. She has a new podcast out called Learning Lots with Brie Larson and Jesse Ennis. Um, also, little BTS, our friend Rob. Oh, we found out Rob is double-crossing us in yeah. this episode, which is pretty fun for Wobby the Wob. Yeah, Wobby Wob's got his He's, he's got, got his hands beak. in a lot of honey pots. Yeah, he's dipping his beak in a lot of different little pots. <laughs> and you know what? Good for Wobby Good Wob. for Wobby Wob. Good for Wobby Wob. We do find out real time. We we're chumps, but that is okay. <laughs> that is okay. Come to find out, Wobby Wob knew Brie and produces her podcast. And Rob's son, Calvin, is on an episode of Brie's <laughs> podcast, and it's the cutest thing you could possibly imagine. So also check that out. Yes, the podcast is called Learning Lots with Brie Larson and Jesse Ennis. Please enjoy Brie Larson. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank, USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval, terms apply. We are supported by Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Mm. Ooh. Myrtle Beach, I have so much nostalgia. Me too. I did a spring break in Myrtle yes. Beach. Yes. Did you guys used to go there from Georgia? Yeah. It mm. was a very common beach destination. Ugh. Long sun-drenched days, live music every night, and 60 miles of uninterrupted coastline to enjoy. The beach truly is where your best self comes out. Combine that with the irresistible aroma of fresh seafood, southern classics, and local low country cuisine from over 2,000 restaurants, and you've got yourself the perfect vacation. You belong at the beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. That's visitmyrtlebeach.com. He's an Hi. Bye. <laughs> Bye. It was such a good combo. <laughs> You're in England? I'm in England, yeah. I follow you on Instagram and I'm watching you work out and it feels very much like a California garage and I had it wrong. Yeah, the beauty of Instagram. So you're in England working out in a garage. You're in a garage, right? Can we agree upon that? Not currently. I'm not currently in a garage. The video you saw was old. I hate to ruin that for you, but yeah, that's an old video. I'm much stronger. I'm much buffer oh than that video. You can't even imagine how strong I am now. <laughs> I can't really show what uh, I'm doing uh, right uh, now. Uh huh. Yeah. You can't say what you're doing either, can you? Or can you? 
No, I can't. But I think in my omission, you know uh, what it is. You're on American Idol. About. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm a mass singer. <laughs> I couldn't keep it in any longer. Do you like London? I do. We're going in September. Kristen's shooting there for a couple months. So we'll be there in September. So yes, we'll come to dinner at your place. Please. Oh, please come over. Let's do this. I've got a cold plunge. We just did a cold plunge for the first time. Oh, hated it. Loved it. All of it. That's exactly how it works. I mean, you did it right. How long did you do it for? One minute first and then two minutes. But we had people do 20 minutes in our group. That's ridiculous. Exactly. I don't even think that does anything. That's just a flex. It was a major flex, but I was impressed. So I just shout out to Cameron. He just sat there like he was dead. And then he got out 20 minutes later and it didn't make any sense to me. I do three and a half minutes. And my, like, everywhere I have arthritis is just fucking killing. Like, my wrists hurt inside there. But you get that elated feeling afterwards. It's the, been the best thing for my moods. And it's like a crazy thing to talk about because, I mean, it's not really super practical having bags of ice in a bathtub or an ice, whatever it is you're doing, having a hotel ice machine. Like there's no version of it that feels like scalable in any way. Yeah, yeah. But when I'm doing it consistently, because I have a mind that tends to go a little to the depression. It like yeah. wants to go to a hopeless place. It likes it there. So the cold plunge just like shocks my system. And then the rest of the day, I'm like, at least I'm not in the cold plunge. Uh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's my bright side. One of my favorite quotes from Frank Sinatra and it's almost made me drink over the last 16 years, which is, he said, I feel bad for people who don't drink because when they wake up in the morning, that's the best they're going to feel all day. And that's largely true if you're sober. Oh like gosh. that, you wake up, that's about as good as it's going to feel physically. But you're inducing that with the cold plunge. So it's like the mm. cold plunge makes you fucking miserable and the rest of the day is just going to get better. Oh, yeah. It's only going up from there, let me tell you. Because I'll go from ice to sauna yeah. and I love the heat. So that for me is like, oh, it's really yeah. getting good. I've already accomplished something. I did something I yes. didn't want to do, yeah. which is get in the ice. And one of my favorite parts of the day is this like second or half second when I'm like thrusting my body into the ice when I know what I'm doing, but I haven't yet experienced the cold yet. And that like anticipation feeling is so exciting. I really love it. And then I love getting out of the ice tub. That's another really great feeling. <laughs> and how long do you do it? Three minutes? It depends. I try to get to three minutes. It depends on how consistently I'm doing it. Yeah. If I'm doing it every day, I can do three minutes, no problem. But the second I get out of the cycle of it, then I got to start working my way back up again. Has your skin always been this impeccable? Like, I wonder if you're cycling through the hot and cold because your skin <laughs> looks insane. And I'm not one that even notices skin. But don't you think that I looks know, like very, a... Very yeah. It's so funny. I'm doing this podcast with my best friend, Jessie, and it's over Zoom. And every time she says the same thing, she's like, what is going on? I'm like, I don't know. Maybe it is the ice and the heat. I have no idea. I'm not yeah. doing anything crazy. I'm still a stress Ooh, case. fresh London air. Yeah. You yeah. don't have all this smog here. Of course. That London fog. That'll really mm -hmm. moisturize that <laughs> London fog. But also, you could have a real good like lens on your computer. You know, that's like softening or... On my iPad? Yeah, on your iPad. <laughs> very special iPad lens. I love that, that we're, I'm on my iPad because I couldn't figure out how to turn my computer on and you think I have a lens on my iPad. <laughs> An auxiliary lens. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. Wait, before we get super into anything, we have to shout out our mutual friend, Troy. Oh, do you Ooh. work with Troy? Yes. Shout out to Troy. 
I do. I put him in the category of these agents that are suspiciously handsome. Like Patrick Weitzel was one of these guys. Like he was more attractive than all of his clients, <laughs> which included Ben and Matt. <laughs> Troy is like, I don't know, 6'3", ex-lacrosse player or rower, some kind of athlete. Just brimming yeah. with confidence. Yeah, he's definitely an athlete. Mm. Yeah. Optimism. Nice, nice guy. Everything's easy. Great at confrontation. Mm -hmm. Love someone who's mm. good at confrontation. Got, well, what's your definition yeah. of good at confrontation? Because I love confrontation, but I don't know that you would label it good. <laughs> Do you wait too long, Dax? Is that what your confrontation is? You build up and then Oh, explode? wow. Ding, ding, ding. Really nice. And I'll add into it. What happens is I have this whole story about myself that I'm really easygoing and nice. And so I don't say anything to anybody. And then as I'm about to blow up, I'm resentful at them that they force me to have to do this thing I don't want to do. God, it's so relatable. <laughs> yes, I've done the same exact thing. The last, like, I don't know, year and a half or two years, I feel like the universe has confronted me with the need to be able to confront and just confront sooner. I just go, eh, I don't like that. Because I'll find, especially with smaller things, I'll just be like, yeah. oh, it's not worth it. And now I'm like, no, you know, it's not worth it being uncomfortable and then having a resentment and then being weird to somebody forever. Like, that's not it. Why not just get it over with and just say, not my preference. Yeah. yeah. The thing I have a hard time navigating is there's this principle in AA. Well, there's two. One is we can't afford to have resentments because we'll use over it. So that, that's like not an option for me to be carrying resentments. So I do have to clear stuff up constantly. Mm. But then there's this other principle, which is like acceptance is the answer to all my problems. So it's like the quicker I can accept this is mm. life on life's terms and I stop fighting against it, I'll probably find peace. So some people's behavior, I'm trying to go like, is this a moment where I just need to accept, like, hey, this is how this person is. I don't love this aspect, but I can uh, accept it and have that expectation, and then I won't be upset about it. But is that leading to a resentment? I find that a little bit hard to navigate, which is which always. Oh, well, I think it's just whatever's true. That's what I've gotten to with it, is like not forcing myself to accept something when I'm not ready to. Mm -hmm. There's the intellectual part of me that's like, yeah, of course, like love everybody. I get it. But then like, do I really feel that? Because I'll find myself skipping ahead of being like, well, I know I'm wrong. I know I shouldn't have this resentment or I know I shouldn't feel this way. So I'm just yeah. going to act like I don't. But it doesn't really work. That's just another way of us tricking ourselves into not yeah. confronting. <laughs> it's just a, like, we're like, I'm a nice person. So I'm I'm just going to be okay with them. It's weird because two things are true. People are really good at lying themselves. Like they're very unaware of the lies they tell themselves. Mm -hmm. And also the body's keeping the score. So it's like, you may be able to, in your mind, the voice in your head, quiet it. But that's not to say that you're heart rate isn't different or your anxiety level hasn't gone up or cortisol's not flushing through your body. Oh, of course. Yeah. And sometimes there's like the cortisol, all those things then make it even harder to access what's true, what's living in us, yeah. what's available. And we make stories up. Like in broad terms, like one of the last times I had to confront somebody, I put it off for like a year or maybe two. And it's because I had all these stories. Oh, well, they're going through this and they're going through that. And like, I should be more caring. I should be more of this. And then I had this moment where I was like, if we got rid of the stories, then you just confront something and you don't have all of the charge around it because the story isn't there. So you can just say like, hey, this felt yeah. kind of shitty or my feelings were hurt or I might be wrong, but this is what I got from our last phone call and it made me feel this way instead of then like, blah, 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 and it's like all this stuff comes up that has nothing to do with just the simplicity of this is what I felt and then being open to how they handle it which sometimes isn't good. I'd say I'm at a 50-50 track record at this point. 
50-50, it goes well or it doesn't. That's great. I think 50-50 is totally something to be proud of. Here's my question. <laughs> Do you find that there's a consistent incentive for you to avoid conflict? Is your fear consistent? Like, oh no, this person will now not think I'm nice or they won't think I'm blind. People pleasing. Yeah, is it like people pleasing motivated? Always people pleasing motivated. People pleasing mixed with I must be wrong. Mm. <laughs> oh. I don't want to look like a fool for saying something when I'm obviously wrong. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's it's just my opinion. That can't be right. Okay, so a story I have is I'm really suspicious of people who want to homeschool their kids. I start by not understanding why they wouldn't want their kids with all the other kids, right? And then I get into like psychoanalyzing why I think they are too afraid of the public school system. And then I'm filling in all these details. And then there's someone like you who's like really productive and smart. And it seems like self-motivated to learn and homeschooled. So I'm wondering like, what do you think of the stereotypes of homeschooling? Are they true? Are they not true? What was your experience doing that? I, it's really hard for me to wrap my head around. Well, mine might be different than what you're talking about because I asked to be homeschooled. I did public school for some of elementary school and then I did one year of junior high. So I got like a little taste of the like, I have multiple teachers. I I walk yeah, around. Yeah. Ooh, the bell rings. Yes, it's romantic, <laughs> honey. I don't think I really fit in at my junior high. It was fine. I just felt like it was what I was supposed to do. And then high school, I lasted a day and a half. And then I called my mom and asked her to pick me up. And then I explained, it just wasn't for me. I was like, I really love learning. It's not that. I like learning in the order that I want to learn it in. And she yeah. totally got it. So I ended up finishing and graduating much earlier than my classmates because I just kind of zoomed through it. But I really loved it and it worked for me. But my sister was the exact opposite. She did all of school, then went to college, is now a teacher. So like she went to the same schools that I did. And just had like a totally different relationship and experience to it. So my mom was really cool. And she just let us kind of teach ourselves in a way. Like whatever we said we wanted to do, whatever we were interested in, she just supported us and loved us. That takes so much confidence. Because I think if I were the parent of you, I would be like, okay, I'm going to let her do this thing she wants. But then she won't be prepared for the real world. Like she'll have to go out and she's gonna what go to a job and then she'll get to the job and go, I don't like this either. Like that would be my fear of like, I'm not raising a kid that's equipped to enter the real world. I love your mom's confidence because here you are thriving in the real world by all measures. <laughs> so I would have been completely wrong to have been so fearful that you're not learning these key yeah. things you need to like work with others. Yeah. Well, you know, I think even my mom and I, we talk about it, we look back on it and we're like, that was pretty wild that we <laughs> did that. I mean, there's so many steps of my childhood that it's like, wow, I can't believe we did that. I can't believe that I told my mom when I was what, something like five or six years old or something like that, that I knew what my dharma was and I wanted to be an actor and my mom listened to it. And then at seven or eight, we packed up the car and went to LA for pilot season with like $3,000 in my mom's bank account that we got from doing a pamphlet for like the Shell gas stations. It was like a how to oh, do CPR great. pamphlet. Oh, we both modeled get. in it. Yes, we got about $3,000. It was a big gig. It was very exciting. You know, you'd pull up at a Shell gas station. I'd be like, am I here? Am I in the pamphlet? So that allowed us to go to pilot season and go out for a couple of months. And I mean, just thinking where I am now and that it was 
the whim of a child that I was like, this is what I want to do. And my mom oh, yeah. followed it. I want to be homeschooled. She followed it. I mean, it's it's not normal, but th that trust is how I've been able to be where I am. I feel like I got like a head start on getting to be myself. Yeah, being responsible, making decisions. I imagine too, if you make that decision, it comes with this great responsibility, which is like, my mom's trusting me to do this and by God, I better actually do it. Like she was very, very cool in letting me try it this way. I better deliver. Like I better actually learn everything and try. Oh no, we're having so many internet we problems. We are. Aren't this you? is making me. Monica's sad. getting really sad and nervous. <laughs> I'm sad too. Because, and nervous. Because I want to connect. I know. Because we love. We her. like her a lot. I know. I want to connect too. Do you think it's on? Is it on my end? Probably because we're on. My house Wi-Fi, which is solid. Hold on, let me, I'll try and move somewhere. I haven't had a problem in this spot before, but. be a little bit us. It could be us, you're saying? Oh, and he's connected through the internet. Rob's really clever. Hold on. About the internet. We're gonna do this great. Oh, this is kind of good. We're gonna get like a privileged point of view. Well, she's got real shit, Rob, of course, because she has her own podcast. She's got the real mic. She's got the real little box. Oh yeah, I've got, the, I've got the stuff that Rob told me to get. <laughs> oh my god oh, okay rob do you produce her podcast oh my oh, god i didn't know wow. this what this we're learning traitor. so much right now rob is such a traitor this is embarrassing we've been caught with our slacks down that you guys have this independent relationship of us and no one's saying a word i feel like a fucking yeah, i've been Rob's like do you want brie larson like they're not best friends right wow. oh my god we don't text or anything you don't? You should. He's a good texter. <laughs> and if you ever want to know something to eat anywhere on the planet, text Rob. He knows the best place oh, to yeah? eat everywhere. Yeah, that's his life. Is this better? This is a trillion times better, Brie. Okay, good. Yes. This house I'm staying in is like multiple floors, so I think I was just too high. Okay. I'm going to update my assessment of your skin. It's even better with yeah, great Wi-Fi. it's wi really glowing. <laughs> really? Yeah, it, it got even better. It got even wow, better. This thank is you. exciting I, I stuff. Can't wait for your listeners to hear about how great my skin is. <laughs> oh. That was why I came. It was you didn't know. I was just for that. <laughs> oh wow. Well, that brings up an interesting thing that we well, I wouldn't say I guess I'm the only one wrestling with it. Is like like Kate Beckinsale was here. Monica and I are both like completely awestruck by her beauty. And of course, I don't want to bring that up, but at the same time, I'm like, that's a weird dynamic now that I can't acknowledge that. But that's fine. I'm just thinking out loud. What do you think about that? <laughs> Wait, I just want to understand. You can't tell someone that they're beautiful now? Well, I think it's dicey. Like, of course I would. Hmm. Like he can't open the interview with like, mm -hmm. oh my God, you're so beautiful. I mean, he could and he does. I wish you would for mine. Oh, okay, great. So well, you I, are. Think, I think that's the answer. Cause like <laughs> Polar, are you friends with Polar? I saw she was on your podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, like I told her how hot she looked on this commercial the other day, and she was like, God bless you, babers. Keep telling me. Like, I, and when I was younger, I probably wouldn't want to hear that, but now just everything you say can be positive about my looks. So I guess it's just person to person. You know what it is? Here's what it all is. There's nothing you could say to me that would make me happier than you're hot. I want to be the things I, I'm not. You know what I'm saying? So if you would maybe broke onto the scene and like a Charlie's Angels type thing, and then I was like, you're so beautiful, you'd be like, get over it. I'm a great actor. But you're already a fucking great actor. We know that. You started it with you're a great actor. So now hearing just the icing on the cake. No, just that let you're, me be hot. 
Yeah, you're there hot. You there we go. Yeah. Just let me be hot. <laughs> just please, let me just be hot. I just, is that too much to ask to be hot? <laughs> yes, yeah. just tell me that I'm hot. I already know I'm a good actor. <laughs> <laughs> I want more. I'm kind of serious, though. Yeah, I want every. I want all the things, mostly that I don't have, and then I'm not entitled. Well, to. Well, we all want the things we don't have. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That makes I, sense. Bond, I, I deeply want to just be somebody else, but here I am. Here we are. <laughs> Which you, is so like this is what the audience needs to hear that you yeah. want to be somebody else, Captain Marvel. They want to be you, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. No, but this is like it's something that I've been very interested in this because. The big joke is that everybody wants to be somebody else, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. if everybody wants to be somebody else, then we're all chasing something and then there's no real thing. There's nothing. And that yeah. trips me out so much. And until you can sort of really get that for yourself and understand that it is very, very probable that the person that you admire the most and want to be the most like really has a hard time with themselves. <laughs> it's so freeing. Oh, yeah. can I tell you, that's one of the best parts about doing this show is like the people that sit down like, well, there's no way that this person doesn't know they're a 10. And they're like, no, this person hates their fucking nose and their chin. It's crazy. We're all fucking nuts. I don't know who looks in the mirror and they, they go like, there he is. I, I don't know anybody like that. I'm sure there are people like that. But I also think we also have created like we praise being humble about your looks. And so we don't fully just even own like, I love it when my friends are like, don't I look good? Isn't oh, that the best? Yeah. I, yeah. I love it when my friends are like, give me a compliment. I think I look amazing today. Yeah. That is so attractive to me. And yet I think we also create a culture where we're supposed to be like, oh, I don't know, like, probably not. But like, what do you think? And yeah. I do it. I do it all the time. I want to be at the top of your lowest expectations. <laughs> and then I want to just supersede those. <laughs> sure, sure. But. <laughs> yeah, that seems harder than just like being like, I'm good at something, whatever that is. I look good. I feel good. I am good. Whatever those things are. Like, it's yeah, even hard yeah. for you to hear you be like, you're a great actor or whatever. I'm like, haha. Like, I made a joke out of it. I couldn't sure. even yeah. just accept that. I yeah. can't take it. <laughs> I'm with you. Well, ironically, all I want is praise and approval. And then when I receive it, I fucking can't stand it. It's so weird. Yeah. Are you friends with Mae Whitman? I know Mae. Yeah. I okay. know Mae. From like when we were little kids acting. Uh-huh. Like we went up against each other, same jobs when we were like eight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. I assumed yeah. that when I was reading about you and then I thought, first of all, I would hate to be up against me. But what one interesting thing Oh, yeah. Thing no, happened... I never got a job against me, by the way. Let's make this very clear. Let the record show May always got every job. <laughs> this weird thing happened to all of us on the cast of Parenthood, which was... Quickly, it was revealed that she was by far the biggest powerhouse on the cast. But f from my point of view, I was, I guess, 37 or something, and she was 21. And I was like, why is this kid so fucking great? And then I come to find out, oh, she's been doing it since she was three. So she's really been doing it like 10 years longer than I had at that point. And I'm like, oh, okay, that yeah. makes sense. And I have to imagine that same thing happened to people with you. They're like, wait, why is this? This is interesting. How does she know what she's doing? Yeah, she should not know. I wouldn't say that it's usually a positive thing. Like, it's strangely a learning curve sometimes on certain jobs. Like, people are disarmed by the fact that I know so much about what's happening on set. Yeah, yeah. Because I've been around it my whole life. And I have such, it's like, I've put in so many hours that it's so innate. And so I think it is surprising. It's surprising yeah. to me, too, that I'm like, oh, I guess I've been an actor for 
20 years <laughs> longer now. <laughs> How old am I? She was the youngest person ever admitted to the American Conservatory Theater in San Francisco <gasps> at six. Oh, I thought you were saying that Monica was. I was so impressed. <laughs> no. Isn't that great? Yeah. If you heard that about her, you'd be like, what? You'd be so blown away. And I know. And then you said it about me and I was like, oh, OK. <laughs> that was an accident. Something happened. There's a clerical error. <laughs> well, I don't I'm know impressed. if I still am the youngest, by the way. I'm convinced there must be some like really doubt it. prolific four-year-old that got in. I have a six-year-old in the notion that she'd tell me she'd want to go do something and that I would take that serious. Like, I got to really do it. I got to take her serious because <laughs> yeah. look what happened. Because if Delta told me tomorrow she wants to go to Harvard right now, if she wanted to become the youngest member of anything, Chuck E. Cheese fucking Bitcoin club, uh -huh. I don't know, anything, uh -huh. I would just be like, wow, you're going to try to be the youngest of this thing. Well, remember, so she did say she wanted to skip first grade. Because she wants to catch well, her sister. And we all kind of dismissed it. Obviously, she's in kindergarten. And then she started like reading all these she, books. She and, took like, her sister's books from second grade and started like cramming. Yeah. And I was at like, night. oh my God, yeah. she, I think she's going <laughs> to skip first grade. We all dismissed it. And maybe that makes it better. Maybe because everyone's like, okay, maybe she's like really going to push herself. She's got an axe to grind. Yeah. I like this kid. Oh, oh, you would, you would love, love her. her. She's um, she's so spunky and perfect. We call her Shirley Farley. She's a mix between Shirley Temple and Chris Farley. Like it's what it's a great combo. <laughs> it's it's the best combo I've ever seen. I just stare at her and yeah. think, boy, life's gonna be so easy for you. I can't <laughs> wait to watch. <laughs> okay, back to you though. So the thing that I really would get sympathetic for May on is that some of the people in the AD department and whatnot, even some of the producers. They maybe didn't recognize that she had been doing it longer than them. And so the respect she was given was more appropriate of someone that was playing a 17-year-old. Not even, forget the fact mm -hmm. that she was actually 21, but she was almost being treated as the age of her character and given the same kind of respect, which it would have been maddening for me if I were May. Like, hey, no, I will pick my fucking hair. I've been doing this for 20 years. I don't want to hear what this man thinks my hair should be. All that stuff. Like, I could say, oh, I want my hair to be this. And everyone's like, yeah, okay, whatever. You know your character. That would have been maddening for me if I were her. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, I still deal with it. I try to talk about it frequently because I worked so hard and I had this idea in my head like, oh, once I reach blah, 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 then I'll finally be respected. And it yeah. never changed, really. The truth is it didn't change until I changed. It changed once yeah. I was unbothered by it, which seemed so bizarre to me because it was like it was all so external and I was like I'll never get away from this thing this oppressive feeling and then once I sort of diminished the effect that it had on me it's funny like some of it's just absurd and some of it I have a lot of sympathy for because some people like director and producer despite the fact that they can be older than me and they could have incredible credits chances are I've had more time on set than them because I haven't had to do the pre-production stuff and I won't have to do the post stuff. So yeah. there's a higher probability, assuming that I'm working, I'm booking mm. jobs, that I have just more on-set experience. It doesn't mean I have more pre-production experience, I have more post experience, but when I'm meeting these people in this arena and I'm also in a different place, I'm on my mark, which is at the epicenter of everybody. I feel everybody's energy. I know what everybody's job is. It's part of my job, I think, to know what everybody's job is. So I see all this stuff. And because of my job, I feel like people, um, they talk to me, like crew members will open up, will say things. And so I sort of get this interesting view of all these different things that 
I don't know if producers always get the chance to see or hear. Maybe they have a different relationship because of their role. Everybody's playing their role, right? They invite you into their tribe more than they... Like, the camera department is going to invite you into their tribe because it's you two. You two are going to make yeah. this thing work. We're dancing, yeah. Yeah, and the producer's not going to ever share that with the camera department. They're not going to be interdependent in that way where yeah. you can become grateful for one another. Because if you do your job great, man, and they're there and they did their thing, there's just this beautiful moment of like, God, all the things worked at once. And it's really just you guys that are deciding that. 100%. Yeah. Totally. It's so special. And it's one of the things I actually love about doing these like bigger movies is the level of craftsmanship, the specialty things. Yeah. You know, people crafting alien da-da-da's and the costumes and all of that stuff and building the sets. I mean, it's just, I'm in awe of it. I'm a huge fan of Disneyland. So to me, it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe there's people that have like dedicated their life to knowing how to make fake rocks or oh, know yeah. how to make fur costumes or, you know, whatever it is. I mean, there's just insane amount of details that go into these things. I'll get hit with just this profound sense of gratitude where it's almost like everything slows down and I'm looking around going, I can't believe all of these people and all their own path in their life have brought us all here in this moment to do this strange fight sequence. Like we're yeah. all here, whatever our past is, I don't know. Whatever our future is, I don't know. But we're here together right now. It's so special. It is. And as you climb the ladder of budget, yeah, things change. Like I remember the first few things I did where there was special effects. There'd be like two people, they'd come with a van, blah, blah, blah. Then I did this movie, Zathura, and like Stan Winston did the creatures. So to see like mm. the Stan Winston, am I saying it? that's him, right? Stan Winston? Wow. He created everything, the dinosaurs and Jurassic Park and I think E.T. and like the most legendary kind of creature maker. World-class legendary artists over the course of 200 years when they look back on film, he'll be one of the greats like Cecil B. DeMille. And yeah, here I'm watching this person do this. It's, it's pretty special. It is. And I get to see the people behind it. You know, a lot of people just see what we make, like what they made. But mm -hmm. I get to like see the people and it's so special. When you do a really small independent movie, like something with a budget of a million or less, a family forms on those type of movies, I think a little more than other ones, just because it's smaller, it's probably accelerated shooting schedule. People are working harder. They're more vulnerable. Like all these things come together to make it a real shared struggle when you do a little movie. Have you found that as you've gotten into the huge ones, you can still have that experience? Oh, yeah. I make sure of that. Like, it's very important to me that I know everyone's name or as many mm. people's name as possible. Mm -hmm. The bigger the movies get, the harder it is. And it's hard with the mask for me, too, because you don't have the facial recognition. It's just a little bit more difficult, I think, to have that shared connection because we have to be far away from one another and constantly paying attention to the time we're around one another and all that. But it is really important to me that it feels the same. And to me, it's like an independent film can feel like you can make it a movie in itself. It's like a camping film. Yeah. Like it's yeah. it's very intimate and ragtag. I don't even know what ragtag means. Is that offensive? I don't know. But whatever, yeah. it, you know, like that <laughs> feeling of like, oh, we're all in this together and like, oh, what are we going to do? Like we want this dolly shot. We're just going to put on the back of this truck and like whatever. Yeah. Someone got a wheelchair. They stole a wheelchair from Vaughn's. We're going to yes, use that exactly. as a dolly. All of, yeah. those, all of those things. And there's a fun and like almost youthfulness, I think, or at least it's youthful for me because that was what I was doing in my youth. But And then the bigger movies feel more like an epic. 
They're six months long, huge, bigger than all of us. Yeah. And there's something awe-inspiring about it. And when I meet people that hadn't haven't done it before and are on a set that I'm on like this, I'm like, listen, we have enough time together that we are going to love each other, hate each other, realize that we have more in common than we realized, uh-huh. <laughs> and then potentially dislike each other again. Yeah. It's enough time for <laughs> us to change our opinions at least four times. And that's just a different thing. I was much more used to on the independent films. It's like you start working, everyone likes each other. You kind of figure out eh, maybe a couple people I'm not going to. I'm not going to see them again, hopefully. I'm not going to continue on with them. And then it's over. Whereas the first longer film, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to figure out how to make this work. I am going to have to keep seeing this person. It's not a one night stand. It's not a weekend fling. This is a relationship. We're in this. And I have to figure out how to love this person. Yeah. And we're going to see each other on our worst days. For sure. Over the next six months, like we're both going to have our shittiest days and we're going to be together. Like that's ahead yes. for us. <laughs> yes, on like a, a somewhat public stage. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the other thing. Like the actor is like so front and center that like your energy, whoever you like have a problem with, aren't getting along with or really get along with, like everybody sees. Yeah. And I find it to be for the most part a really good feeling to know that I can set the tone. It was much harder for me when I was dependent on other people to set the tone. Like, I like being in charge of that aspect of it. Not 100% of my life I want to do that. But when I choose to, I really like stepping into that. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. We are supported by ZipRecruiter. Are there some fantastic concerts coming to your city this summer? Mine too. In fact, Anderson Pack's playing at the Hollywood Bowl. I can't wait for Ooh, it. Ooh, that's exciting. If you want to be sure to see your favorite artist, you need to jump on it right away. I've already DM'd him saying, yes, I got to be in that front row. When you want the best, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. It's like if you're hiring for your business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. So what's the best way to do that? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. Got your eye on a rock star candidate? ZipRecruiter's invite to apply feature lets you cut the line. Once you review ZipRecruiter's list of the most qualified candidates for your job, you can easily invite your top choices to apply to encourage them to apply sooner. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. We are supported by BetterHelp. Listen, I understand that sometimes you want to keep things to yourself, process your emotions in your own time. But if you keep everything bottled up, it can have some serious consequences. I have therapy on Saturday. I'm really looking forward to it. I had therapy this morning. Yeah, you did. Yeah, and it put me in the greatest mood. We had a long, big day, and I just felt much better for having Because you were, some... not to out you, you were a little grumpy going in. I was. I was. I was to be <laughs> Rob and specific. I received some texts. Yeah, I was morning. locked out of my therapy setting, <laughs> which is this attic. <laughs> <sighs> But then you felt much better after. I felt much better. And I even made some apologies. Um, Talking things out can be so helpful. And if you want a safe space for that conversation, I recommend therapy. Check out BetterHelp if you've been thinking of trying therapy. It's entirely online, convenient, and flexible. 
It's also easy to get started. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for any reason for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash DAX today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DAX. We are supported by Canva. Good presentations take time. Or they used to, because now you have Canva to help you make amazing slides fast. I'm talking like seconds, thanks to the power of AI in Canva presentations. All you have to do is start with a prompt like a sales presentation for a tech company, then sit back and let Canva work its magic. It's incredible what AI is doing. I'm seeing all kinds of image generated. I follow I these architectural websites that it's all AI generated. It's just mind blowing what it comes up with. You just tell it what you want and it'll do it. Boom. It's a time saver and it's easy for any department to use. And it's great for companies of any size. Even Fortune 500 companies rely on Canva. Finish your work faster and generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Does it ever feel like there's so much pressure to be, I mean, obviously there is so much pressure as an actor to be good and to perform. But then when you're setting the tone, there's pressure to be, for lack of a better word, nice all the time mm -hmm. to make it a happy set and stuff like that. Like there's all these stories about like this person on set, not even like the huge stories, like the blow up stories, but like, oh, this person on set was like not very friendly. And I'm like, well, so like maybe they don't want to <laughs> be friendly that day. Like they're just a person. But because there's all eyes are on them, everything I think gets magnified. That seems mm -hmm. like a lot of pressure. I don't feel that way anymore. And it's not to say that I don't have my periods of time where I fall into people pleasing. It's something I have to work on because I do fall into that trap. But I've had too many jobs. There was one in particular where I tried so hard to be nice, to never ask for anything, to do everything that everyone asked of me and to do it like first take, like I want the first take to be perfect. It was a real mental problem. I really yeah. wanted everybody to say Brie A plus from yeah. every angle. And people didn't like me. There mm. were people that didn't like me. And I had to come to terms with, yeah, people are just not going to like me. Even sure. when I'm trying to be my best and be my nicest, quote unquote. And so if that's what's going to happen, if the end result is that some people are going to walk away being like, oof. What a bitch. Yeah. Then I might as well just get what I wanted in the first place. Yeah. 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 I agree. You have no control over what they're bringing to it, how they're going to react to you. It's about them, too. Yeah, yeah. It's not about you. Like, their perception of you is most likely about them. Yeah. There's too many narratives happening for me to get into it. I'm curious. So your mom and dad got divorced when you were seven, and, and you and mom and sister moved down to L.A., Mm -hmm. I had a very similar situation, but I took the role of I could see how incredibly hard this was for my mother to work mm -hmm. full time and raise us. And the way I showed her I loved her was like, I'm not going to be one of your problems. I'm not going to ask you for cool shoes. I'm not going to ask you for cool jeans. I'm not going to I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to be not a problem for you. That's how I'm going to help. Did you have any of that? I'm sure I did. I was pretty quiet and shy growing up. And my mom says that I was always like very reasonable. 
Like even as like a little kid, I'd be like, can I have that? My mom say no. And I go, okay, maybe next time. Um, <laughs> I think it was like in my nature to just be like, oh, okay. Like I think to a point where it sometimes erodes my stomach lining that I'm yeah. always like, oh, there's another perspective. Push myself to the side. And so I do think in hindsight, this leap, it didn't happen right away. I think I was too young to understand like the sacrifice that my mom had made. I started to feel the stress and the pressure probably once I started to hit my teens, more like 14, 15, when peers I had in school were figuring out college, what they wanted to do, that sort of thing. I was still not really working. I didn't really have that much going on. And yet I truly believed that I was supposed to be an actor and I didn't know how to not do it. But also everyone was telling me no, so it didn't make any sense. Then I started to feel the stress of what's my fallback? What do I do? How do I not become a burden to my family? That was a very stressful period of time. I'd say like really like a lot of crisis, probably from like 15 to gosh, early 20s. Because I didn't have like consistent work. I was always on the verge of like my last dollar. At least half a dozen times I was like at the grocery store and they're like, it's declined. You have zero dollars, <laughs> you know. What were you using to regulate at that time? Like how were you dealing with that? The stress? Yeah. I moved out at 18. So for 15 to 18, I really just was creative. I'd write songs. I'd film myself. I was upset. I would like film myself crying and then like watch it back. Like I'd make my own self tapes of myself like a weirdo, like yeah. in my bedroom being like, what do I look like when I cry? And I started, I just spent a lot of time alone. I was a super big loner. I didn't really have any friends. Did you have boyfriends? I had a boyfriend. When did I get a boyfriend? I think I got my first serious boyfriend at maybe 17. Okay. Was he a fellow actor? He was, yes. Yeah. Did you ever live at the Oakwood? Yes, I did. That's where <gasps> we, we moved originally for pilot season was Oakwood. Did you live at Oakwood? No, no, but we love Oakwood and we love the Hollywood yeah. complex, that documentary. Oh, and I know. I oh God, that that stressed me out. I couldn't <laughs> sit through it. It was it was too real for me. That documentary yeah. was too real. Well, Josh Hutcherson, yeah. the same movie was Dan Winston creating the creatures. He was in it. And I used to go pick him up and take him to like big boys and stuff. He was in town from Kentucky doing this movie. And I was kind of his de facto big brother. And we'd go to big boys and go to the car show and stuff. This is iconic. <laughs> this is of a time, by the way. Like, you saying getting picked up and going to big boys, like, whoa, the sense memory is so intense for me right now. I'm sure. Oh, wow. I would go pick him up there, and he fucking loved that place. They had a buffet on Sunday. Like, he just loved it. And I was like, this is so fun for actors. But again, for working actors, if you're just there and you're not working, you're watching all these other kids go away to get jobs. It must be excruciating. Yes. Well, I had one thing working in my favor for at least about the first year that we were in L.A., which is that I didn't understand that there was anything past the audition. I thought the audition was the job. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and so at around, you know, eight years old, I was like, wait, this is not going well. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, I thought right. that I was nailing this. <laughs> there was more. Mm -hmm. They say great job every time I leave. I did a great job every time. <laughs> yeah, I believed it. So a really fun part of your story, which I did not know until today, is that you were a pop star. Did you know this, Monica? No, I did not. How old were you when you wrote the song that ended up getting airplay? So I wrote the song, I think I was 11. 11? Can't be right. 12, I think? Wow. 13? 
I had you at 14, yeah. and that was just through not great math, but... I think my music started coming out at 14, but okay. I wrote a song called Invisible Girl that was about not feeling seen after I auditioned for the reboot of Peter Pan for the oh, role wow. of Wendy. Yeah. It's very deep. This is very <laughs> deep. I hope you're ready for this. I felt so unseen. I was heartbroken. Found out that I didn't get it. Ran away from home for oh, like wow. two hours, which felt like an eternity to me. And then wrote that song and it ended up getting a manager off of it and Kiss FM wanted to put it on the radio. And then because of that, Universal was like, oh, we got to hire this person who's like wrote this song, like got on the radio. Well, you're a prodigy. You're like S.E. Hinton at that point. Apparently, I was a young child with a lot of feelings. I would write it on my guitar and I ended up being signed to Universal and Tommy Mottola's label. I was going to say, wow. what's so crazy is <laughs> we just interviewed Daryl Hall. That's amazing. Tommy Mottola signed him. And yeah. I was like, Daryl is 74, I think. So I was like, wow, Tommy Mottola is like a beast. I don't really understand him. I just know he's related to everyone, Mariah Carey and Daryl Hall. And then when I read that Tommy Mottola also signed you, I was like, is this guy 160? Wow. Is he a vampire? <laughs> how, is, how is he signing you and Daryl Hall? <laughs> I don't know. I don't that doesn't make know. Sense. It was all No, it doesn't make sense to me either. And I was there. Yeah. It doesn't make yeah. sense. Okay, so she records an album and goes on tour, is on TRL. Oh, my the God. The album is finally out of PE. And you have like mm -hmm. a little life as a pop star. And I'm wondering, what were you feeling inside? If you could even remember, like, to me, it would just seem like I came out of a blackout and I'm standing on the stage like, well, how did this happen? <laughs> I mean, it was really strange how it happened. I mean, the sequence of events is like a Disney Channel movie. It doesn't right. really make sense. I was on a sitcom and I was in my dressing room playing my guitar and we had a musical guest on the show and this manager for the musical guest like heard me with my guitar and like went up to my mom and was like, here's my card. If she ever wants to explore this music thing, just let us know. And that just like set off this whole chain of events. Like yeah. I said, wrote this song. Someone knew someone, got it to Kiss FM. I had no representation, whatever. Universal signs me. They start flying me all over the place to write with the person who wrote Avril Lavigne's album and the person who wrote Genie in a Bottle and like all of these people. And I'm like 13 or like 14 or something sure, like sure, that. Sure. And my mom would drive me and drop me off and then like bring me lunch. and <laughs> At the studio. At the studio working with these adults. But it worked because I was so naive. They'd say, Brie, what's your day like? What's going on? What do you want to write about? And I'd be like, oh, here's my notebook. Here's all the things that I've been thinking about. Here's what I've been writing. And we would write these songs. And by the end of the day, you have a song. You submit it to the label. This whole process ended up creating an album. And it all just sort of it had this energy that was just moving, yeah. moving, moving. And then it sputtered out because it, the thing that didn't work for me was once they started to feel like there might be success. There was a lot of people involved, a lot uh, of people saying, this is what you should wear. This is how things should look. Mm -hmm. And I was young enough to push back because I yeah. didn't have anything to lose. And I was like, this is embarrassing. I don't want it to look like that. Because you were going to be an actor and this thing was kind of like a side opportunity, perhaps you weren't willing to play ball as much as you would have been if it were for an acting thing. You didn't have the desperation towards music maybe that could have exhibited itself in acting. I think what disturbed me was that it was my name. So it's like the album is Brie Larson. And I yeah. at least even at that age understood I was going to have to live with this. 
Wow, that's mature. I know. It's very strange that I understood this. It didn't really help. I still have an album called Finally Out of P.E. And, <laughs> you know, I have a song on the Barbie and the Magic of Pegasus soundtrack. And, you know, so whatever. The, you know, the corporations won this time. But, however, I at least fought back on some of it. And that was eventually why it didn't work out because I was just... I would just say no. But what I didn't like was that I was being told what to do and then it was my name instead yeah. of being, when I'm an actor, you're creating a character. So it's this thing outside of you. So it doesn't have to be super true all the time to, to yeah. me personally. And it's more collaborative. It's okay to me if a director's like, I really think it's this color, the shirt, whatever, because it's this thing outside of me. But when someone's telling me, Brie, that I need to sound like this, I need to wear this, this is my brand, it's like, no, that's not going to work. That doesn't feel good. So it kind of just died. <laughs> wow. It kind of reminds me of like when they hired Roseanne to be Roseanne. It got really confusing quickly because they didn't ask her to write it. And they didn't. I don't even know that they gave her a created by credit originally. So she's just playing Roseanne. who She is Roseanne. And yet it's so other people are in charge of how she's Roseanne. That just seems that would be uncomfortable. Yeah. If you're going to use your name, you kind of gotta be exactly who you are if ever there were a time yeah and i think i was very young so i don't know if i totally knew what that was i knew more of what it wasn't than what it was and we just had a super big misunderstanding i think <laughs> sure what's strange is that like it was so controversial and bizarre that i wanted to play guitar that like on stage i wanted to play guitar it really? was like, no, why wouldn't you like dance? And it was like, oh, I don't dance. I play guitar. <laughs> and now it's like, it's so commonplace. It's so yeah, great. Taylor Swift. I mean, it's just so normal. Yeah, exactly. But it wasn't at the time. It was sort of a confusing novelty. When you were on this tour and you were on stage, what did that experience feel like? It did feel like a blackout. My first real show was opening for Jesse McCartney. It was 6,000 people. I had done like, a show or something like in a mall and oh that was God. but the opening for jesse mccartney his beautiful soul tour he just had you know hit single beautiful soul beautiful song so good still holds yeah. up and it was to like six thousand screaming girls That's a lot of it was people. amazing it was amazing and i didn't understand anything <laughs> but my manager i remember i was walking out onto the stage and my manager said tell the audience that you'll go to the merch booth after your set. And I was like, what is it? He's like, the merch booth. And I was like, the merch booth. I'll go, to, I'll tell him to go to the merch booth. And so I remember being like, okay, you know, whatever, Sacramento, hey, Sacramento. Like, this is my last song, but I'll be at the merch booth. And all of these, like, I, it was like a movie. I go out to the merch booth and the lobby is packed. I was like oh. a beetle for the day. Oh, it was all wow. of these girls in this lobby screaming. Oh. And I remember seeing the executive from Universal who was there. And it was just like dollar signs were in her eyes. Wow. She was just like, oh, my God. And I ended up getting in trouble because so many people had stayed out in the lobby. Uh-oh, they missed. That they didn't go back. Yes, they weren't going back in. So, yeah, I wasn't doing my job. I had one yeah. job. It was to warm up the crowd for Jesse McCartney. <laughs> not take it. I did not do that. <laughs> Tell them to follow you to the parking lot after your set, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Come to my house. <laughs> I had a tour bus. It was great. Oh, oh my, my gosh. God. Wow. It was incredible. Yeah. Did you bring friends with you? Like, did anyone join my you neighbor. for this surreal? Your neighbor. It's a great question. My neighbor who had taken in like a makeup course and she oh. did my makeup on the tour <laughs> <laughs> wow How old this is was fascinating she? 
I think she was like 16. Oh um, my like that. Oh, oh boy. My mom was this there. It's a Disney show. This can't know, have happened in real life. Yeah. I know. I know. It's hard to believe. I don't even hardly believe myself when I say it, but it's true. It's kind of the Miley Cyrus show. Oh, Hannah yes, Montana. Hannah Montana. Montana. Yeah. Like you yes. all of a sudden. I you never just... reached the ranks of Hannah Montana. I never reached the level. Well, few do. God, I wonder what would have happened if you had continued on that path. Who would you be? I don't know. You'd be a famous singer who's trying to get into movies. You would use it to try to get yourself into ultimately movies, I imagine. Yeah, that's a reasonable assessment. Yeah. But just from the outside, I think you are a very hopeful story for someone to follow for many, many reasons. But one thing I think you could speak on, which would, I think, be helpful to people is when I look at what you did between seven years old and basically probably short term 12, you must have thought you were about to enter the fast lane like 25 times. Like you did pilots. Mm. And so you're in a pilot and you're like, okay, this is going to go. And then for this reason or that, it doesn't go. Someone gets sick. Okay, okay, now I'm not getting on the highway. Now I'm sitting now for another three months or four months or five. And then another thing comes along. Well, here we go. Now, like all the stutter stops that happened to someone before you're Captain Marvel and you, of all people, you experience a ton of them, which I find to be really inspiring. And I just wondered, what was that roller coaster ride like? How did you keep yourself in it? How did you stay positive? How much did you succumb to the notion like, well, here we go. I'm on United States of Terra, and I'm going to buy a jet in yeah. five years. Yeah. Remember I said I was broke many times? That's part <laughs> of that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I had the pleasure of experiencing those low points from a very young age, through every stage of growth, as a kid, as a teenager, as an adult, as someone who moved out, I mean, so many times. And so it's not a simple answer as to how I dealt with it, because there's so many different ways. When I was a little kid, I'd run away from home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but at a certain point, there was moments that were so hard, I let it shatter me. Mm, mm -hmm. Every time it did, I let it happen. And it always looked different. as, And as I got older, it probably looked sadder. But in allowing myself that, it's like I'd go to this really deep, low place. And in there, I would just sort things. And I'd go, why do I want to experience this? Like, why do I want to experience this much pain, rejection? Why do I want to do something that feels so hard, that doesn't really have a clear pathway? And in that, I started formulating why I felt it was beyond me why mm -hmm. I felt like I had to do it. And there were things like representation, like not feeling seen when I was watching movies was a huge thing for me. Like your archetype wasn't being told in stories. Is that what you mean? Yeah. I just felt like I was way more emotional, way darker, way messier than what I was seeing. And I enjoyed wow. what I was seeing, but I felt like it wasn't until, strangely, when Netflix happened and they had the Criterion Collection on Netflix, when you, you get the DVDs mailed, mm -hmm. and I started just randomly watching like old Italian films and French films. Oh my gosh, you'd see these women that were just, you know, crying or laughing or the whole plot would be like, we can't figure her out. Why, why is she so weird? Why is she so wild? And I was like, this is it. Like, this is the thing. But I don't see this in America and I want to. And so in the depths of all of that, I was like, I want to share these feelings that I have because I can't be the only one. And I think also, you know, you brought up the homeschooling thing because I was alone so much. It was a way for me to go, okay, these are messages in a bottle. And maybe it's a way for me to like 
put it out there in the world and see if anybody else is like, I get that. And I continue to do that. It's hard. I think one of the hardest things you can do is to allow yourself to break, to allow yourself to feel how painful something can be, to want something, to first of all, to allow yourself to want something. Yeah. To want it so badly and to feel how bad you want it. I started getting heartburn when I was like 12 years old because I wanted it so bad. And I'd have to sit and wait for that phone to ring on our fax machine for my agent being like, oh, didn't get it again. I had a lot of practice in failure. And one of the harder lessons for me was in learning how to accept success and to enjoy it because I still am waiting for it to go away. It's like my biggest fear. If I'm in a panic attack, it's like, I'm never going to work again. What do you think you're saving yourself from by not allowing yourself to indulge in the happiness of being successful or the experience of success? I mean, I think a huge part of it is like you get very comfortable in what you know. And I knew a no. I knew I auditioned, they say no. And I got very comfortable with my role in my life as being the underdog. Yeah. And it felt really strange to acknowledge at a certain point, I'm not the underdog anymore. Yeah. And it's sort of ridiculous to act like I am. I'm a very lucky, very privileged person. It doesn't mean I didn't work and claw my way <laughs> to get yeah, to yeah. where I am. But I have to recognize the position that I'm in because by not acknowledging it, I'm doing a disservice to everyone, not just yeah. me. I'm not acknowledging the platform that I have. I'm not acknowledging the access that I can give to people and, and myself and, and that I can express liberation. Because, I mean, once again, what we're talking about is can we allow ourselves to fully embrace what we want, that we love a person, that we love a thing, that we love what we do, because we can get very easily into wanting to connect over a complaint, wanting to connect over this is hard, but can we connect in what we love and yeah. can we relish in what we love and can we love it even though we know that it might not be there forever? And to me, it's like, why get ahead of it? Can I just love it now? And the only reason why I wouldn't love it now is because I'm scared of what somebody else would think. And what if I just cut out the middleman and said, I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in my experience because that's all I get. Yeah. What's interesting is I had never even thought of it this way, but yet you've got to say goodbye to an identity. Like Yes, a, all the time. As soon as Captain Marvel comes out and it makes a billion dollars, yeah, it would be fraudulent for you to act like the underdog. And so that's your own identity has to change dramatically, which is hard for people to do. Being flexible yeah. with your identity is scary. I have a strange process pretty much after every job because I'll spend all this time playing another person. I'm back home, I'm packing my suitcase. I have to decide what I want to keep and what I don't. And it's of the experience. And those I'm realizing now are like rituals that I created for myself. And it's like what we're talking about. I set aside time to revise my opinion of myself or mm. my outlook of myself. But I have clear markers. I was wearing other clothes. I had my hair dyed a different color. I was doing whatever, you know, the wigs off, whatever it is. And now, okay, let's sort through it. It might be harder for people who don't have such a clear experience of, okay, I've, I've transitioned out of something into something else. But for me, I have the luxury of those things. And I really take myself up on it to sit with it and to go, gosh, thank you so much. But like, I've outgrown this. I've outgrown these tools. I've outgrown whatever it is. Like we were talking about confrontation, like not confronting things worked for me for a really long time. And I'm so grateful that I am where I am. And I'm so glad I did it like that. And now it's not working for me because I'm noticing it's not. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. time to move on from that and just keep growing. I often worry that people that pursue this thing 
they're waiting for that job to let their life start. I think that's like the real trap that can happen for actors or anyone that's really pursuing something really full-heartedly and it's hard is kind of you're waiting like when I'm on a TV show, I'll blank, 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 blank. So like life will start when I get hired and then you can miss your entire life. I got defensive about a comment on my Instagram feed, which was like, it was a video of me and my daughter singing while I was driving the motorhome. And someone wrote like, oh yeah, if I were rich and blah, 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 I'd be singing and happy too. And I wrote back, if you're waiting to be happy and sing till you get rich, please don't like sing and be happy now. And then also get rich, but don't, <laughs> that can't be the reason you're not singing and happy, but you can't let it be. And also, like, I'm a fairly wealthy person. I'm not happy every day. I'm not happy every second <laughs> no, 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 every no, day. No, 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 That's not the thing either. It definitely helps. Like, I can pay for therapy. Yeah. Cold plunge. You can have a cold plunge in your <laughs> I have life. a cold. Uh, yep, I do have a cold yeah. plunge. There's yeah. definitely things that I can do. I have more of an advantage to feel better. But it doesn't mean that I do. <laughs> no. All of my issues and insecurities and fears, they didn't evaporate. They di it didn't fix any of that. All that stuff's still there, even with money. And it's also... I mean, this is going to sound pretty wild too, but I only have as much money as I believe. So I can still get in the trap of swiping my card and truly thinking, is this going to work? Oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. I swear yeah. I'm dead sober all the time. <laughs> but it trips me out sometimes to think, oh my gosh, my entire experience is just what's happening in me. That's it. Yeah. That's the whole thing. My anger at someone, my love for myself, all of it is just me with me. I also think if you had a long period of economic insecurity as I did and as you did, I noticed my wife doesn't have it much, but she went to college and she dropped out to be on Broadway and she's just worked steadily her whole life. So hmm. we have much different fears about economic insecurity. And I thought there would be a number that would make me not be fearful. And then as I got this number, I realized, oh, I don't feel any safer. I think the number was too small. I need another number. And then at a certain point, I had to just objectively go, oh, it's not related at all to that number. I have a fear and it's irrational and it's not gonna be solved by this real number. I've got to just confront the fear. I, it yes. occurred to me I could end up with a billion dollars and be scared I'm gonna be broke and die penniless. And so there's no rationality to that. And I gotta recognize, oh, the work I gotta do has nothing to do with the external. Yeah, exactly. It's all about our relationship to everything, really. And it's up to us. Nobody else gets to do that work for us except us. It's our yeah. pleasure. Yeah, <laughs> what a pleasure it is. Are you going somewhere? This thing is gonna die and I don't want oh, it to. Okay. We're having a lot of great technical things. Unfortunately, this place is like 500 stairs, so. I just had an idea for a horror movie. Like, what if we were watching her and she fell down the stairs yeah. and we were the only people that were seeing this? And we don't know where she's at in England. We don't know what her pseudonym is. Like, we couldn't help at all. We'd have to call the London police and go, do you know Captain Marvel? She is on the staircase somewhere uh. in your city. <laughs> we just have this blurry zoom photo of the ceiling does this does this ceiling and, and banister look familiar to you officer <laughs> you get a good workout at that apartment yeah you really get to work on the, the glutes and the quads. i know and the gym is on the top floor so it's it's oh, a whole oh, wow yeah you get some nice cardio in hmm Okay. This is kind of like a scavenger hunt part of it. Yeah, it's been really great for me. Okay. Look at how I'm rolling with all of these curveballs that life throws my you way. You are. You love curvy. Oh, God. I love a little curvy to my day. 
I'm professional. <laughs> now we're here. Oh, wow. This is great. So now you're on the floor and now you're backlit. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to see me in every type of lighting. Isn't this incredible? Your skin looks great still. <laughs> and this lighting too? Yeah. Yes. And even on the wow, stairwells. Wow, this is amazing. Straight up your nostrils, it was working. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I need to talk to you for one second about Room, which I'm sure you've talked so much about in your life already. But my goodness, that fucking movie was so incredible. You were so incredible in that movie, as was The Child. And there's these moments you recognize in movies that are hard to pull off or are going to be a challenge. And mm. for me, when you guys are in the back of the pickup truck, it's so lo-fi, man. There's barely going on. There's not 80 shots. But there's something that is working in that. The suspense of that, like, trumped the most complicated set piece I've ever seen in a movie. Like, my anxiety level while you guys were in the back of the truck was just peak that I've ever had in a movie. And I thought, wow, look how they did this. They did this with almost nothing. All they have is the pure belief of the actors that they're going through this. That's really all we got. We don't have many tools to help. We don't have a cool camera car that we can push in on you as you're looking out the thing. we don't have any of that so to me like the accomplishment of it is that much greater that all that happened and the suspense and the stakes and all that were so high was so little yeah there wasn't anything that could hide what we were doing it was like really dependent upon jacob and i giving real strong performances that's all there is i mean it's like a play in that way and it's like if you guys aren't brilliant this movie's average yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's such a, like, testament to what two humans can do. I don't know. I found it very, very inspiring, that movie, in so many ways. I'm glad. I'm very glad. It's also nice because it was, like, at a time when I was so free. I really jumped into it. I really went for it. I scared myself with that film. You know, I went very dark. I would hate to compare my acting years because yours is far superior but i will say i have this thought that like i couldn't do what i did in idiocracy today couldn't possibly do it i could only do that on my second movie where i was so unafraid of everything and so anxious really? to try everything and then you slowly get into this preservation model where it's like well i gotta also keep this thing going i know what works like why take a humongous swing at this point for me i just kind of want to coast off into the sunset so i realize i've gotten scareder over the last 20 years which is interesting yeah well there's more to lose <laughs> yes there you go that's exactly it there's a lot more to lose and i recognize it i think back and it was like there was so much for me writing on room like my survival <laughs> yeah it was my shot and so i just put everything into it and i still feel that way i still feel like there's the sense of like i'm acting for my life every time uh -huh. i'm on set i love that feeling though i love the feeling where i'm just slightly scared not so scared that it's getting in the way of my like flow state my work but just scared enough that i'm pushing myself just a little bit further than i thought that i could go well, I got to imagine, like, based on your performance in that, and then based on what you've done physically, I have to imagine you find a lot of comfort in control. Oh, I'm sure I do. I've never thought about it like that, but I'm sure I do. I would bet highly on that. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. We are supported by Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Mm. 
Ooh. Myrtle Beach, I have so much nostalgia. Me too. I did a spring break in Myrtle yes. Beach. Yes. Did you guys used to go there from Georgia? Yeah. Mm. It was a very common beach destination. Ugh. Long sun-drenched days, live music every night, and 60 miles of uninterrupted coastline to enjoy. The beach truly is where your best self comes out. Combine that with the irresistible aroma of fresh seafood, southern classics, and local low-country cuisine from over 2,000 restaurants, and you've got yourself the perfect vacation. You belong at the beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. That's visitmyrtlebeach.com. We are supported by New Balance. Whether you're going for your first-ever jog around the park Getting ready for a marathon or even picking up the pace on the last stretch before you get home, if you run, you're a runner. Whether you need shoes for comfort, stability, or race day speed, they've got you covered. Because the only right way to run is your way. New Balance. Run your way. Visit newbalance.com running to learn more. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank, USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval, terms apply. First of all, I was curious, did you have any like internal racket about, okay, I've kind of now been embraced as this indie darling prodigy, whatever you want to call it. Did it cross your mind of like, oh, all these people who fall in love with me in this little tiny world, they're going to feel betrayed if I go do an enormous superhero movie. Like, did you have a <laughs> no. racket? Oh, good for you. No, no. How about getting jacked? Did you think like, oh, I'm going to get in super great shape to play this superhero? Do you start worrying about what people are going to say about that or no? Well, I thought I had really gotten away with something by getting cast in Captain Marvel. I was like, Marvel doesn't even know. I don't know how to do any sort of physical activity. <laughs> like, they never asked me, have you done a jumping jack in your life? And it's, they didn't ask. But I also got cast very early. I got cast like three years or something like that before we filmed. And so I had all this time to train. And so I was throwing myself into training thinking, they're going to have me do all the stunts. I don't even know what I'm going to have to do, but I'm sure I'm going to have to do all this crazy stuff. And I don't even know how to jog for more than 10 seconds. So I need to get myself ready for that. And so I just put all this effort into training and learning martial arts and all this stuff. And I didn't realize until my first day when I was doing like a judo throw on a moving train that the producers were like, you know, you don't have to do this, right? Like, no one does this. This is yeah. what you have a stunt double for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, what? No one said anything. Like, uh, no one uh. questioned. When I had said six months before we started filming, I want to be in contact with the stunt coordinator because I need to start training. No one was like, why? They just were like, okay, here's the person. Yeah, yeah. And so everybody just went with it. And then next thing I know, I'm like, oh, well, now I'm like highly skilled at this. <laughs> and it's really fun. So I want to do all of it. Yeah, you want to do it. Yeah, I want to do as much as I can. There's certain things I can't do. I didn't study gymnastics or anything, but I want to do as much as I can. It's so fun. So yeah, in that sense, I did feel this pressure that I was like, I'm playing this like very physical, super powered person. I should know how to be yeah. strong, at least to like the most of my human abilities. Yeah. 
as someone who I can't imagine ever had the personal goal of getting super strong, or did I don't know, maybe you did. <laughs> no, I did not. I did not. <laughs> no. Because again, I feel like I've had this experience, which is they hired me to play a model in a movie. I'm like, I'm not good looking enough to be a model. So at least my body better look like a model's body. Like I, that was the minimum I could bring to it. And I found myself jogging at night on the West Side Highway, like on mile four. And I literally was like, who's this guy? I was into punk rock and I smoked cigarettes and I was an alcoholic. <laughs> and I'm like almost watching myself out of my body jogging down the West Side Highway on this crazy routine. I got so much pride from it. I was like, oh, I didn't think I was really capable of this. I didn't think it ha I had it in me to do this. And it just came with all this esteem. I liked it. If, if you had like that feeling. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, this goes back to what we were talking about, like having an identity of yourself. I was like, I have asthma. I can get in shape. Like, yeah. I'm an introvert. I don't do these things. And by the end of it, I was like, Rah! like, I was so <laughs> intense. I had so much aggression. It was the first time that I was like, what is this feeling? I was like, this is rage. I feel rage. Like, I remember getting like at the height of being like training so many hours a day. I got like a parking ticket and I just like lost it. I was like, in my car, like, rah, like full, like Hulk, like lost it. And then just like the sheer panic of like, what have I become? A meathead. Yes. Yeah. And realizing like that you're changing your body at like a cellular level, like something is happening. Yeah. I am not the same. I'm a very different person when I'm training like that. <laughs> so it's good to know. I know that about myself. Yeah. It was a big leap, but it was super fun. It was hard. Oh, Elijah, I'm right here. <laughs> My boyfriend had AirPods in and didn't realize that I was in here. Oh, was he joining us? Like, did they both yes, join us? Yes, he's on now. Oh, he says oh, hi. He's hi, on a phone call with someone named Tom. I don't know who that is. I'd uh, love to interview Tom if he's up for it. Yeah, Tom sounds really interesting. The way he said Tom, I was like, wow, <laughs> sounds like a cool guy. The way he said Tom. <laughs> but sorry, what were we talking about? Getting jacked? Yeah, I know it sounds so vain and stupid, but that's not the thing I'm honing in on. I'm honing in on this, like, breaking the story you tell about yourself. And how it can be so profound in that you start going, oh, maybe there's other stories I've been telling myself that are also limiting. I don't know. I find the whole thing, physical fitness, to be like much greater than just physical fitness. I completely agree with you. It totally changed my perception of myself of what I was able to do, not even just in the gym, outside of the gym too. Right. It helped me use my voice. Like I felt like I just became all around assertive stronger, clearer. I don't know what it is about that. It, I think it's in doing something really hard where you meet yourself. You know, when you do something that just gets you just into the, like, I don't even know how, how to describe it, but you know it if you've experienced it. And I think in this case, it's like lifting weights to the point where your brain is just going crazy. That then at the other side of it, you're like, I did it. I faced it. Yeah, well, Monica's two-time state champion cheerleader in high school. And I honestly yes. think that informed the rest of her life oh, where she's 100%. like, yeah, I can do that. Or it's going to be hard. But the other thing is you learn in this process is like, oh, right, incremental steps is what makes change. Like if nothing else, it teaches you this slow glacier pace of consistent behavior will result in something. I don't know if I like plied myself that long over anything other than working out to find out it works if you just go incrementally towards a goal. Please tell me about your state championships. Well, I'll show you my routine. I'll send it. It's on YouTube. <laughs> Thank you. 
it teaches you that weirdly you can do anything. You can do mm. anything. If you went into it with like, oh, my body physically can't do this. Like take like a backflip, for example. When I started, I couldn't do it. I couldn't even come close. And then you do. And you're like, oh my God, I did a thing that I once couldn't do. It applies across the board. You can do anything. And I, this is so silly, but I also used to work at SoulCycle. And in those rides, one of the instructors was like, during the last push, she was like, you can do anything for 30 seconds. I think about it all the time. I don't know. It just takes can't out of your vocabulary in a mm. way that's special if you get the opportunity. That's cool. I think you're right. I think it does change your perception of what's possible. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Learning lots with Brie Larson and Jesse Ennis. Do, am I saying her last mm -hmm. name right? Ennis? Yeah, you are. You said it beautifully and confidently. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I didn't push too hard, right? I threw it away just enough, but eventized it as well. Yeah, exactly. There was an emphasis, but it was also casual. It was beautiful. I loved the read. Oh my God, great. So we don't even mm -hmm. need to go again. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> learning lots with Brie Larson and Jesse Ennis. <laughs> what made you want to start this? You guys are so natural. You clearly have some very good rhythm together, and it seems like it just happens as it does for Monica and I. Like there's just something about the ingredients that it foams every time. How do you know, Jesse, and how did you guys decide to do this? Jesse and I met at the Williamstown Theater Festival about 10 years ago, over 10 years ago. And we were in the same play, and we showed up to rehearsals three days in a row, and we were both wearing the same thing. We were wearing oh, wow. each other's outfits. Oh, wow. And so they were nice. very specific, bizarre, strange. We both had a very strange sense of style, and yet they were exactly the same. And I don't know. It's like I blacked out after that. It was like, oh, she's wearing Converse, a lace skirt, and a flannel tied around her waist. And then it's like smash cut to the end of the camp, the theater festival, and we're sobbing and we're best friends. And I don't remember getting to know her. Did you invite her over to do crafts? I did invite her over to do crafts. That's correct. That's part we of made, it. We uh, made something that we called Summer Valentines. We made Valentines in the summer for our castmates. She's like my sister. We've just done everything together, been through every strange phase of our life together. And it just feels very comfortable. Like it's a new aspect of my life to be putting me Brie forward. Yeah. I was always very protective of myself, I think, because before I started training, I felt like, oh God, if people knew who I was, like no one would like me. And yeah. so I'll just be an actor and I'll just hide behind these characters. And in the last, I don't know, two years, it's just started to feel really oppressive and just ridiculous. And like a person should just be comfortable being themselves. I'm not doing anything revolutionary here. And with that, I have friends that ask me for advice or ask to be connected or want to learn more things. I'm, I'm a forever learner. And I get the privilege of conversation. You both get the same thing. You know, the podcast is an incredible opportunity to have conversation and share conversation. And I realized that like a huge part of who I am, my outlook, the life that I lead that I so love is because of the people in it and the conversations that I get the privilege of having. Even just in the activism space, I get invited into like really smart Zooms about all kinds of interesting things. And so I started thinking I should make that information and these conversations available and free and allow people to listen if they want. And so each episode is topic-driven. We had Amy Poehler come on and talk about confidence. We had Bill Hader talk about anxiety. And we've also had Jane Fonda and Hop Hopkins come on, and, and they talked about the climate crisis. 
So sometimes they're more issue-based. Sometimes they're about someone's personal development or growth, but it allows us to really drill down onto a certain subject and talk about the word, what it means, how it sits with us, how we live with it, and yeah, share information. Continue to learn and grow. Now, you had a YouTube channel, or you still have a YouTube mm -hmm. channel, I imagine, and you were vlogging, and then you've now stopped. And I did know this about you, that you were what they all say in interviews, like she's a very private person. And there's like a couple of motivations for that. One is like Edward Norton, who we interviewed, like he wants the ability to play everyone. So he doesn't want you to know who he is. Totally get that. But it sounds like a more honest answer for you was, I don't think I'm interesting enough to be a movie star. Yes. Yeah. I don't have anything interesting to say. Like, why would I add myself to the conversation? And there was mixed in with it, the illusion that it was like, I want to be able to play all these different characters. And if you knew me, you wouldn't believe it. Yeah. That felt very flimsy. And I had to get into the truth, which is it's scary to just be yourself. Yeah. It feels like the whole world is at risk if you are just yourself with yeah. your beliefs and your desires and all of those things. And so the YouTube channel was a way of challenging it. And I was terrified. And it's so funny looking back on it. I'm like, what the heck? Like I was in a tizzy because I was like, gonna put out an air fry video where I like tested <laughs> out different frozen foods in an air fryer. It's such a joke, <laughs> but it truly put me in a tailspin because it was just nothing to hide behind. There's no script. There's no character. There's no one doing my hair and makeup. There's nothing. There's no one to blame. It's just me with myself and my camera in my garage, just trying myself on. And yeah. it was a really great experience for me. What happened to that 16 year old that took the one class? She's still around? Can we dust she's her not, off? I mean, she still exists in the world. Just, she's she's, she's with not us doing still. my makeup currently. Yeah, she's okay. still with us, but she's she's not here in London, for example. And so that was part of the YouTube channel too, was just this leap of like, is it gonna be okay when you find out that I barely brush my hair? Right, right. And breaking news, no one cared. But the podcast is so great because you get to focus on the conversation. You get to focus on connecting with people and it's kind of taking away any of the other sensors. You don't know what anybody looks like. You don't know what clothes they're wearing, what their hair looked like that day. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. And have you gotten to do any in person? No. I'm excited for you to do them in person. They're, I don't know, for us, they get really, really, like you really forget you're making something. It's hard to That's forget cool. you're making something when you're on Zoom, but. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my computer has 10% battery. <laughs> <laughs> my ipad yeah what are you most excited about in the future oh that's a great question great way of phrasing it what am i most excited about i am really excited about the podcast i'm excited about really allowing myself to craft time to have thoughtful conversations it's like one of the best things in the world i think is just asking questions to another person who has a completely different life experience from you and just going like how does this all shake out? People are so strange and interesting. I love it. So I'm very excited about the podcast, learning lots. And then I'm excited to continue living. I'm really enjoying my time right now. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, it's really nice. I'm in love and I feel like I've hit a good place with myself. And I really am grateful for my job. And I'm just working at just not sabotaging it with stress yeah, yeah, and fears yeah. of the future. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my work. Sanjay Gupta, when we had him on, he was talking about longevity and he said one of the best things you can do is go on a walk and have a conversation with someone. 
Like it really your propels your health. Yeah. Yes. Talking about something deep with a close friend, mm -hmm. doing a physical activity is like the apex of what a human can do. Mm. So yeah, if we could figure out how to do these on treadmills or something. Yeah, fuck. Uh, do you think oh, you can come I'd up with there. a filter? You just let me know when that's <laughs> happening. I will be here for that. Let's speed walk on a treadmill and talk. Yes. Let's get into it. That could be a show. I wrote on one of your Instagram posts, let's lift. And I can't imagine you saw it, but I'm wondering if you would have any interest in hundred percent I'd lift with you. <laughs> oh my God. It would be a true honor and a privilege to lift with you. Okay, and I noticed too, you um, interviewed Rob McElhenney, and he's a good friend yeah. of mine, and he's obsessed as well. It's the same with Kamal. How do you know Rob? How did that come about? Through Jesse, because Jesse's on Mythic Quest. Oh, 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 duh, okay. Isn't he wonderful? Yeah, and Jesse's had such a great experience with him, and so I love that. That's my favorite part. Well, maybe we should lift at his house, because he's got basically Iron Paradise. He's got like rock-level <laughs> gym in his basement. Have you seen my gym? No, no. Is it crazy? It's quite good. I'll have to send oh. you some pictures. It's, it's also rock level, I think. Could you name it like Iron Lotus or something? Oh, beautiful. <laughs> of course, yes. That's exactly right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Wait, I do want to just real quick before we wrap up, because I think it's important. So, Jesse, do you feel like since you grew up and you never really felt like you've fit in or you said you didn't have very many friends that like she was filling that for you in a way that you hadn't had before absolutely yeah and she's family at this point it's kind of beyond it doesn't even like best friend doesn't even really it feels quite flimsy actually mm -hmm. we have such a robust friendship that has lasted through so much I think this is a question we live with which is like if you knew the worst parts of me would you still love me and I know I have at least one person that's not yeah. my mom in my corner. <laughs> yeah. And to have that, oh, man, then that's kind of like what we were talking about earlier. Then, like, anything's possible. Mm -hmm. It's the greatest and sweetest thing, and it's a big love in my life. Well, can we recommend maybe referring to yourself as soulmates as we do? Oh, that's very sweet. Because it feels like it's a little a notch above friendship. Yeah, it's a little cosmic. Yeah, yeah there's a little bit yeah, of, little, I do little feel bit of cosmic. Yeah. Okay, I'll accept that. I'm going to really <laughs> sit with that, but I think soulmates is good. Okay, so Iron Lotus, Soulmates. <laughs> Soulmates. Is there anything else we can rebrand for you or reframe <laughs> in your head before we depart? I think, I mean, two is great. If we got a third, I mean, we don't have a title for the Treadmill Podcast, but I'm here for that. Running with Ideas. Oh, Ooh. that's pretty good. I mean, off the cuff, Wait, it's okay. That's, that's nice. Wow. <laughs> Working that's, out our that's thoughts. That's actually... Wow. No, two, I think two, running one. with ideas was very strong. Better, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, thank you. Th and thanks for your honesty on the notes, the feedback. Absolutely. I'm always yeah. here for that, yep. Let me Let's just try Absolutely. for a third really quick. Okay. Um, lifting each other's two saccharins. So that's off the table, but that popped into my head. But that's too much. Okay, too what about sentimental. something with training? Training. A train of thought? <gasps> train of thought is good. Train of thoughts. Yeah. Okay. Train of thoughts, yeah. And do we spell it like train or train? Who knows? TBD. Is it spelled? Are they both the same? Different? Uh, a locomotive and a... No, they're both no. train. They, uh, both are T-R-A-I-N. I'm not a good speller, Brie. Oh, one last question I just remembered to ask you because I said Brie out loud. First of all, I dated a Brie for nine years. I want you to know that about me. I have a very oh, I have wow. an affinity for the name Brie. Is it a problem that Allison Brie exists? <laughs> no, she only makes my life better, honestly. 
in the way that like Dermot Mulrooney and Dylan McDermott, it's a big problem because I know Dermot Mulrooney and most of his life's been plagued with the fact that people are confused between he and Dylan McDermott. I find it even confusing. And so, yeah. We only benefit from the confusion, by the way. We've only reaped the benefits of it. For example, back in the day when no one knew who I was, I got this email that was like, some computer company was like, we'd love to give you a new tablet. And I was like, (laughs) me? (laughs) And imagine my surprise driving to Culver City to get my new tablet. And they're like, Allison, you're here. And then I had to sit there for an hour while they helped me set up my tablet. And they're like, so Allison, this is where you can connect your Twitter. So why don't you just connect? And I just went with it. Oh, I was yeah. like, oh, I don't feel like putting in my Twitter right now. Oh. And then I will have you know, I walked away with my tablet, and then I did reach out to her, and I said, hey, I just got a tablet in your name. Oh. I owe you a tablet. <laughs> so you can try and get one with mine. You probably won't get one, but thanks for the tablet. And then she got, apparently, a lot of congratulations on your Oscar. Oh, good. Tweets. So she was like, thank you for that. So we're just here thriving with the confusion. <laughs> no one yeah. amazing. It sounds like a very symbiotic relationship. And we had her it on, is. and boy, we just fell in love with her. She's so goddamn fun. She is. We work with the same trainer, so we work out together sometimes. Yes. Oh, really? She can be on Train of Thoughts. (gasps) Oh, for sure. She's a beast. She is, yeah. Brie, it was so nice to meet you. I am an enormous fan, truthfully, and good luck in England. Thank you. Thank you for watching the sun go down with me. I'm now in my haunted mansion. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like a real ride. I know. What is happening? You've seen me in... (laughs) This was an entire... Oh, my God. Your skin still looks good, (laughs) even in the dark. Look at this weird movie she's in now. This is... I'm still... It's a scary movie. I'm like in Blair Witch right now. You (laughs) are. Oh, my gosh. And you're great at it, too. And then I just want to remind everyone to listen to Learning Lots with Brie Larson and Jesse Ennis. Also, lots of stuff coming our way from you. You also have an Apple Plus show that's coming out. You have an Amazon thing coming up. You're busy, 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 and we thank you for it. So everyone should keep their eyes peeled for all of the content you're giving us. Get ready for this content. (laughs) All right, Brie. Adore you. Hope I see you in real life. And good luck with the rest of your time in London. Let's train. When I let's, get back. Oh, fuck. Down. We could lift in London. How long oh, are you there? Oh, let's do it. Yeah, I have a little gym here. I'm here until at least the end of the year. Oh, great. <laughs> okay. I'm literally going to come. I'm going to I'm gonna come get, over and get train with you. Get my info from Rob and come train. We've Like oh. I said, we don't have a huge setup, but we have enough of a setup. Oh. Here, come. This is going to be great. Can we make an Instagram yeah. video? For sure. Let's oh, my do God. it. I'm going to be a star after this. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Take care. Bye. <laughs> Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. And now my favorite part of the show, the fact check with my soulmate, Monica Padman. Are we on? Yeah, we're recording. This is the recording of the show, Monica. Okay, tell me about how that works. So we talk and then magic ants Uh run in a circle on top of wax. (gasps) And they are recording with their little feet. Grooves that match our voices. And they record on the piece of wax inside of there. Oh, my God. And then Rob Uh has a team of ants that then reads it. Oh, my God. Now, is this what the movie Ants, A-N-T-Z, is based on? Never seen it. Me either, and yes. Okay. That's exactly what the movie's about. Makes sense. Yeah, because there's so many recordings to be done. Even before the era of the podcast, which I will remind you there are 2.2 million. 
Which is, it's more than that now because that, I learned that, what, three months ago. Oh, yeah. Then there's 17.2 million, if that's mm-hmm. true. It's so exciting. Almost everyone has access to everything. Like, I was even thinking Lincoln's getting pretty knowledgeable about, like, the mechanics of a TV show uh-huh. and, and movies. And she notices shots now, you know. And she'll tell me, like, how she would have shot that. Like, oh, I would want this song and then I would oh. put slow motion here. Like, she's already... And it's not just to placate me. I look over at her and she's thinking about that. And I thought to myself, oh, she can just do that. She has a fucking onions. I just used onions to cook your thing. Dax just smelled his finger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's onion. You tried to do onion. it really discreetly, but I caught it. <laughs> oh, good eye, good eye. Because I just ran it by my nose. Uh-huh. It was brief. Yeah, but there was a like movement in your nose that led me to believe it wasn't just a scratch. My forest of nose hairs started moving yeah. and bristling. Mm-hmm. Fully. So anyways, I was thinking, she can do that right now. She has an iPod with a camera that can film in slow motion. Yeah. There's this really easy editing software. She can grab any song from Apple Music. Like, the whole thing. It's very cool. I was like, oh. I, I had those thoughts, but that wasn't a possibility. Scotty and I had to chip in on a Canon XL1 so we'd have something that's mildly good looking. And then the software and how long mm. it took that at. You know, it was a beatdown. Yeah. Speaking of, did you watch Jess's story? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I had to watch it like four times before my brain could really accept it was Jess. So... Okay, great. I was going to ask you what your big walkaway was. And it sounds like we have the same one. Well, in case any of you missed it, Jess posted a video of an old home movie that he had made with his brother and sister. And his stepfather is an editor, so it was pretty well put together. Oh, I wonder. Okay, I was like, how did this happen? Because it did have, like, editing. Exactly. Not only editing, but um, they were on the right side of the line when they were shooting the overs, which I was impressed with. I was like, I'm surprised they got that right. But then I was remembering his stepfather is, like, one of the best editors in television. Do you think he directed this movie? Yes. I have to imagine he was involved with the shooting a little bit just to get the wides and everything to match is my guess. There was even a time I think where Jess like snaps or something. Yeah. There's a magic trick. He snaps and he disappears and then he reappears. I just came up with alternative, but very close to that. Jess's stepbrother, who is the biological son of the editor. Yes. Maybe because that's his dad. He too might've been really into it yes and maybe even thought he was gonna be editor for a minute or something so maybe the stepbrother could have been really involved too i don't know we have theories armchair theories fuck that none of that's important why how was shot how was edited (laughs) i've never well you talk first i don't want to poison the well jess is the exact same person as he was as a little kid he did a thing in that video i don't know how old he is there i wish i knew he looks like he's 14 that's a good guess, yeah. But it's hard to know because he's freakishly tall. Exactly. Maybe he's 12, but I think 14. And he's really tall in that video, too. So He's so cute in that he video. Is. His face is so cute. Well, he did a thing where he, like, rubbed his head in frustration, and he does that all the time. Right. That's not the takeaway I had. Okay. His voice is so different. Oh, his voice is completely different. Like, there's not even uh, any of the fingerprint or, or anything vestigial in his current voice about that voice. I, I right. think if you were to watch a video of me at that age, I think you'd know it was me really quick. Yes, I had that thought, too, while I was watching, and I was like, oh, this must be before puberty. But maybe it was before 14. 
Yeah, who knows? But I think a huge departure. I didn't. I thought they were two different people, but you did see these physical similarities, which is unique. Yeah, no, I again, that's why I said I had to watch it a few times. I was like, that's not him. Is that him? No. But then at one point he did the head thing and he yeah. looks like a polished TV child actor. And he was acting well. Exactly. <laughs> and he was so cute and yeah. his voice was so high. Yeah. That I'm like, oh, this kid is on a TV show. That's what he's reading like. Are we in love with Jess? Oh, wow. I think we might be because also recently, you guys will find out, he does something in an upcoming episode of Armchair and he left and me and you both said, that was kind of hot what Jess did. Yeah, well, what's great is (laughs) you you used the adjective hot and I was grateful you did because as soon as you said it, I was like, that's exactly what it was. I was just in the like, oh, that was impressive. But no, it was fucking hot. It was. Because it was so thrown away. He shows off one of his talents and it's a big talent. Big. But he doesn't eat, like, he threw it away. No, and he keeps that talent very under wraps. And it's like, so confident it's to throw it away like very that. Very confident. Mm-hmm. Very. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we love Jess. Very hot. Very hot. How was your day? What a weird day. First, let's go back to me smelling my fingers. Oh, okay, sure. So they smell like onion because I just put some onion over baked beans and in the tuna noodle. Because for your birthday, you requested tuna noodle and beans. I did. We're having one day after. You were having some panic about my present. And I said, do not do that. Do not worry. But you know what? I would love. Yeah. One of your meals. One of my white trash. That's right. Yeah. What do we call it? Oh, this doctor's. This doctor's. Most terrible meal or something? No, this doctor's worst superfood diet. Okay, worst (laughs) superfood diet. Yeah. These are off that menu. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, I have onion smell all over my fingertips. Okay, next order of business was my day. <sighs> I woke up, got out of bed, ran a comb across my head. And then I uh, went and did voiceover for Top Gear Season 2, which was about 90 minutes of voiceover. Mm-hmm. Went downstairs and was like, I got to work out this second or I'm not going to get it done before I have to go get my arteries scanned. Mm-hmm. So did that, then hop on my motorcycle, go get the artery scanned, come out of there, and just side note, the reason I'm getting my artery scanned, I don't have a health crisis, I got my heart, which you've heard me brag about, zero plaque. Mm-hmm. My doctor said, why don't you get your arteries and your neck scanned? If you're zero plaque there, then you don't need to be out of statin, and you don't need to worry about your cholesterol, which I thought was cool. Yeah. Okay. Leave there, and I, I realize it's 3.30. Mm-hmm. Well, I haven't eaten anything yet today. And on the ride home on my motorcycle, I start feeling like... You know, like just distracted, a mm-hmm. uh, little like little nauseous. I'm getting really sweaty mm. and I am having a hard time concentrating. And I'm like, I got to get off this motorcycle and address this. I'm not going to make it home. Yeah. It was that severe. Yeah. But then I made the biggest fucking blunder of my life and I decided to eat at Pink's. Why is that a blunder? Because I was in line for like 25 minutes. It looked so oh. small, the line, compared to Pink's. Normally you go to Pink's. Pink's is a landmark in LA, hot dog place. There's always like four turnstiles of people. Well, yeah. there was only like eight people. I was like, oh, I'll be through there in five minutes. It was at least 25 minutes. Oh, no. And I kept in the line going like, do you need to bail out? I saw like a juice store across the street. I was like, I think I just need to go get like an orange juice. Yeah. It felt that crazy. And I, I really started wondering if I was going to make it to order and blah, blah, blah. So anyways, I, I overate big time. Oh. Then I came home. I felt better, but then I felt exhausted. Sure. And now I feel a little weird, but I just had a triple double or as you would say, a double triple. Yes. Matcha. Of matcha. Wow. Okay. 
and now we've got your big tuna noodle party. It's very exciting. So it's a great day. And then tomorrow morning at the crack ass of dawn, I go to Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. Are you excited? Beyond excited. Pontoon boat for four days on the lake. It'll be so fun. Oh, with my son mm. and my friends from my youth. Yes. Do you want to talk about your TV show? I do. Sure. I'm shooting a... Have we already said this? We said it on the race to 270 fact check before I did it that I was going to do a miniature food show. A show about miniature food. Yes. Hosted by a miniature mouse. It's called Tiny Kitchen Cook-Off. And it's a cooking competition show. It's kind of like Nailed It meets Hot Ones. Uh Uh-huh. Because it's a cooking competition show, but... You're interviewing I am. While they're cooking, I am interviewing them about projects and stuff like that. It's important to say the food is miniature, like a tiny chili cheese nachos. And I mean tiny, like (laughs) two inches, two inches squared circumference. Tiny cheese nachos. Tiny chili cheese. Chili cheese Which means they had a little (gasps) tiny bowl of meat that they had to cook on a tiny stove. And the stove is powered by a tea light. Oh, my god! That's gosh. how small. You're kidding me. I'm not. This is crazy. I know. It's really amazing. Hannah, who is the actual- Master ti- chef. Yes, master tiny kitchen chef. She makes like- What size is she? Like, is she tiny too? No, she's normal. Yeah, normal woman. She makes like really elaborate dishes like stew and chicken tikka. Oh, my God. How would you make a piece of rice smaller? You cut the actual piece of rice into 10 other pieces of rice? Yeah, like I I watched one video of spaghetti. They cut the spaghetti into tiny spaghetti. With scissors. With tiny scissors. Okay. It's incredible. I would have used half of a pair of scissors. You would have. As as you saw. Yes, you you had an experience today with a can. Yeah, we didn't have a can opener as we've moved and God Oof. knows where it's at. But I had to get into those beans. You had to. It, it wasn't an option. So <laughs> I took apart a pair of scissors and then I just got into the top of it. And then my my sister made a video and it looks very scary the whole time. It does. It's yeah. terrifying. It is. I'm it's scared kind of like for your a life. horror movie. Could that be a horror movie? Just someone opening something with super sharp Probably. Knife. <laughs> too real. Too real. Yeah, so I've been doing that, and it's been really fun. And I had a superstar on today, Mr. Ryan Hansen, joined oh, us. God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's appropriate. Yeah, that's how we do it. Oh, when you were talking about seeing your friends. Yeah. It reminded me that when we had dinner with Chad, we had a really interesting oh. conversation. Well, we love Chad, first of all. Yeah. But um, we had a really interesting conversation about friends from home, mm-hmm. when you— move and leave and grow in a different way, like what happens to those friendships. Mm-hmm. And it's inevitable that they'll morph. What will morph? The friendships? The friendships. Yeah, they'll evolve. Yeah, yeah. Th- they'll evolve, exactly. That's what's a little bit neat about Aaron and I is it hasn't. Like we're we're better folks and we're not drinking, but the, the core of the thing is pretty unaltered. Yeah. Which is so unique. I think there's two elements which are, one, just moving to California. So if you move to California, people are going to be on high alert to see how you've changed. Mm. More than, say, if That's someone true. moved to Ohio from Michigan, no one would be like, oh, what are you all going to Cleveland now? <laughs> and you, 
only, you know, what would you say? Yeah, you're it's right. It's the same state. Yeah. Sorry, everybody, in my home Uh-oh. state and Ohio. It's the same state. <laughs> and Indiana's almost the same state. Oh, wow. Illinois is very much the same state. These Anyways, there, there's like five states that are the same. They should just band together and take over Tennessee. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, anyways, that's not what we're talking about. Um, Yeah, well, so I think when you move to California, there's this notion that you're going to become, you know, more liberal. You're going to eat silly. You're going to work out. And guess what? All those things are true. Yeah. And so then the question becomes like, I changed in no way means I don't love you the exact same. It's just yeah. I do different shit now. But that part's hard. And then there's another, you know, element if you happen to become really successful while you're, you've gone to this other location too. I think that dynamic's a little tricky as well. Yeah. And then you didn't really experience it as much as he and I had. No. Weirdly, I mean, I did have some rockiness when I moved out here. It was hard to keep up communication, obviously, in the same way because my friends are on the East Coast. And I was working crazy hours when I first moved out here, like 5 a.m. And then like till 10. And then I would go to a show. You know, it was crazy. Yeah. So I, I wasn't good at keeping up with people over there. And... And that caused some problems. But that did plateau. Like, that, I mean, that kind of, like, came to a head. And then People I think everyone understood. went into some acceptance mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but definitely not since, like, since we started the podcast or anything. I don't think anything's changed at all with those friends, which well, I'm I grateful was, for. Yeah, I was just observing from what I have observed that your friends, in, in what I've seen, are so supportive of you. Mm-hmm. And it's so nice. It is nice. And I was theorizing that it it is helpful that they've really found great success as well. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they're looking at you in their mind leaving to some other place. They right. too are are moving, you know, yeah, yeah, in that yeah. direction. So that is true. I think that's part of it. I think so. If you have a friend at home that's just having more and more kids with different women and, and the alcoholism is just getting unmanageable, Yeah. then yeah, it's not, you're not so pumped for me. <laughs> and I understand. I understand. And I deserve that. Well, you don't deserve because they're making their decisions. That's not the right way to say it. I am in the, the privileged position where I can be understanding. Of that. Yeah. I can be sympathetic. Sure. I, I would be annoyed too if I was suffering and some jabroni I hung with who seemed to be the same Jabroni, I was <laughs> somehow <laughs> buying a, you know, a, a bus. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. I guess to sum it up, it is funny. And I think Jay-Z said it better than I did. I don't remember exactly how he said it. But, you know, if someone says you've changed, you know, that's a compliment. That's a good thing. That's what <laughs> Justin Timberlake told us Jay-Z said. Remember? Ah. Yeah. Ah, ah. There's a, like meme or picture or something of a of two little flowers and they're the same height and they're smiling and whatever. And then another picture of one that's taller. So the little flower says, you've changed. Mm. And the big flower says, no, I just grew. Mm. And that's part mm-hmm. of this. Now, look, let me. I'm just going to flip it real quick. Okay. Just because that's our obligation. Of course. That statement, you've changed. I do think the tall sunflower gets defensive immediately. When or could, I would. Yeah. As opposed to maybe the little sunflower is not saying it in a negative way. Maybe this little sunflower is just observing, oh, you've gotten bigger. You know, but when I've heard that, uh-huh. I assume that that's a bad judgment. But maybe it's just an observation. Yeah, I mean, that's all. I almost killed myself. Oh, my God. I wasn't in danger at all with that pair of scissors, but I almost knocked my front teeth out with this <laughs> this sure mic. Oh my gosh. Well, it's a powerful mic. Okay. 
Is Bree still the youngest person who is admitted to the American Conservatory Theater in San Francisco? From what I can tell, yes. She was six. Oh, wow. They say eight to 18. Is the range. Is like entering range. But she was six, and I couldn't find anyone. When I did Google it, it said somebody else's name, but they were 20. So something's off. Something's weird. Yeah. Okay. It's a miss. So we think she still is. We don't want to take that from her until we have proof that it's not true. Okay. Is Stan Winston who created all the creatures for Zathura and also for Jurassic Park? Yes. Oh, good. Yeah. Good, good. E.T. too, I think he created. Wow. What a career. Is ragtag an offensive term? Oh, he smelled his finger again. I can't stop. That happens sometimes when you have a smell. Especially onion. Yep. Yep. Do you like the smell or no? (sighs) What I like is um, I'm suspicious it still smells that way, and then I smell it, and I get confirmation. So I guess in that way I enjoy it. Oh, you're wondering, like, I wonder if it still smells. Oh, it does. Of course it does. And and I I should know it's not going to not smell that way until I wash it. Yeah. But yet here I am just wondering. Okay. Is ragtag offensive? Tag and rag was a relatively common expression in the 16th and 17th centuries, and it was often used pejoratively to refer to members of the lower classes of society. By the 18th century, the phrase had been expanded to ragtag and bobtail. That expression could mean either the lower classes or the entire lot of something, as opposed to just the more desirable parts, the entire unit of an army, for example, not just its more capable soldiers. Something described as ragtag and bobtail then was usually common and unspectacular. Ragtag and bobtail was eventually shortened to ragtag, the adjective we know today, which can describe an odd mixture that is often hastily assembled or second rate. Okay. Seems fine. It's about lower class. I'm, I'm lower class. It's not. It's not cancelable. racial. It's not racial, but it's mean. Sure. Mean in origin. Yeah. It's a bully tactic. It is. Yeah. You know. To make people feel less than. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is my issue with fancy clothes. That's all it is. It's an attempt to distinguish yourself as upper class with money. Well, I disagree, but yeah. No, it's because you love clothes. Well, yeah. But and you can say that about that. Car- You could say that about cars, and I'd have to agree with you. You think you have your cars because you want to distinguish oh, yourself from being? No, 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 no. Nor did I suggest you do. But I'm saying the tradition and history of dressing nice was to appear wealthy. Oh, sure, but I think people want to express themselves and have style and wear cool stuff if they want to wear cool stuff. I agree. And same with your cars. You don't have them because they're fancy. You have them because you like them. Me. But most people who buy a Rolls Royce are making a statement about their wealth. They're they're not the fastest. Right. Yeah. Okay. There's an SNL sketch about the game show of Dermot Moroni and Dylan McDermott. (laughs) And it's so funny. I would encourage people to watch it. Oh, I need to watch it. Bill Hader's like the game show host and it's like Keenan and Jamie Foxx who are the contestants. They like just don't know the difference and it's impossible to know the difference. It's hilarious. Allison Brie Brie Larson. Exactly. Oh my God. Ding, ding, ding. That's why we were talking about oh, it. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're playing it fast and loose with the ding, I ding, ding. I miss so. the ding, ding, ding. I know. Yeah. I know. That's all for Brie. Oh, well, I certainly enjoyed talking to her. And we're going to see if that was just, what do they call? I like this expression, a um, um, a cruel acceptance of a casual invitation. So oh. we're going to find out that if me, when I try to work out with her in England, if that will be a cruel acceptance of a casual invitation. Oh. Do you like that? I love that expression. Cruel like- acceptance of a casual invitation. 
It's being like, no one was really serious. You're the one cruelly, I'm cruelly accepting. Absolutely. That's my <laughs> suspicion in this. Well, first of all, let's see if we can it make that out. happen. Yeah. That would be the first clue. That first step. It, it was a cruel acceptance. <laughs> and then, you know, if I get there and, she, and it's, there's a vibe that's like, I cannot believe you took me up on this. I was trying to be fucking polite, you <laughs> asshole, you selfish asshole. <laughs> Oh boy! Oh boy! Uh, you gotta watch those casual invites. You do. They'll, you'll, they'll bite you in the ass. Oh, it's ha- it's happening. We've been on the other side of it. <laughs> we sure have. Um, <laughs> all right, I love you. Let's go eat tuna noodle and beans. Yay! Yay! 